Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you will fall in love with Jesus, find a church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Now let's join the message already in progress. It is a kind of a big day here. We are excited. It has been um, five years that we've been here. Now this, uh, yeah, five years we've been here. We're still here. We uh, plan on being here many more. So thank God for that. I would say for for the church, it's been five, and for my family and I, it's probably been seven with all the work that went into getting here, moving here, and getting everything done. Um, my wife is not here today, not because she didn't want to be, but because there was a, a wedding that she just had to go to. There's a family member that she loves, that cares about, and family members she hasn't seen in years, and this is about the only time she'll get to see them all, so they are down there. Um, at the wedding, but she she definitely loves you guys and wants me to let you know she is sorry she couldn't be here. But we can't just tell her to move the wedding date, right? We can't we can't just say that. So uh, so she had to do that. Um, it is five years. We are celebrating that, and um, you know I am just so grateful with with what God has done. I know that probably three of these five years have been some of the hardest of my life, and now things are better. Things are getting better, so I would say I look forward uh, to moving into a new season in the church, a new, uh, a new set of focus. We were meeting this morning with some guys this morning and just talking about the things that we need to get better at and do more and have all these visions and dreams, but I'm going to tell you we're going to take it one step at a time, and our goal is going to be that each week we just do a little bit better. Each week we do a little bit better. Each week we, we, um, we help create a church that is um, it's good for you, good for your families, and good for the people of the community. Um, announcements after church. We're going to eat after church. Um, we have, is it Tropical Grill? Is that what's coming? So we have some chicken, some rice, some beans, probably some pork, all kinds of goodies. They're all free calories, so we encourage you to stay. Yeah, they don't cost you anything. They're free calories, not calorie free. So if you're on a diet, pay attention to that. All right, you got to listen, because I don't lie, but, you know, I try to paint the best uh, forward. So, hey, it's free calories for you, um, but it'll be good. It's a chance to hang out, and really that's one of the best things that I think about this church is, is being able to sit and being able to talk and just being able to be friendly and love each other. Um, today we're ending a three-week series that we had. It's on prayer, and it is probably, probably a, a something we're going to talk about I feel that if we don't get this down, if we don't learn how to do and how to be what we're going to talk about this morning, then we'll never be the church that we could be. We'll never, we'll never really be who we could be in the Lord. And so we're talking about prayer. We've, we've made a, a three weeks on it. And so if you could put that first scripture, it's in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I'm going to put that on the screen. And it's verse 3. And you can flip in your Bibles or turn in your Bibles there, however you do it. But I'm going to go and I'm going to pray. Lord, we thank you for prayer. We thank you that you designed us so that we could talk to you and that you would listen. Lord, we thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ, that his blood cleanses us from all sin and draws us near to you. And that because of Jesus, there's no hindrance anymore. There's no more wall that we can approach you anytime we want. 
and have fellowship with you through Christ. And Lord, show us how to pray. Show us what prayer is and how to approach prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So this verse here, this is Paul talking and he's writing to Timothy. Timothy would be like his, one of his number one people, like his guy. Like it was somebody that he relied on, he trusted, and he cared about. He discipled him. He was younger than Paul. He taught him. He trained him up. And now Timothy had his own ministry going. And really that is always the goal in, in, in churches. It's not, it was never our intention when I came here to be a, a one-person show, but for me to do what I do and then create a position where other people can do what they do and serve God. Like, it is not just my ministry here. This church relies on you finding your ministry, on you finding what, what you have been called to do, those group of people, whoever they are, that you've been called to reach and impact. And so that's who Paul's writing to. And then he says something, and he just he runs through it in his introduction, and it's just like it's something we should take for granted. It's just something that we should seem that is just how Christians work. He says, I thank God whom I serve as I did my ancestors with a clear conscience. So Paul is saying, like, I'm thanking God. I serve him clear conscience. I don't know of anything that I've done wrong. It says, but it says, I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. And this, this is something I want you to, to, to talk about. It's, it's one part of today's message is this idea of constantly, this idea of prayer being a routine. See, sometimes we don't like routines because we think, well, that could be like legalistic. Like, I'm just doing it because I know I really need to do it, but my heart's not in it and this and that. But, but I'm going to talk about there are good routines. You were built to work on a routine. That's why we get sleepy when it's dark. Our bodies were made to rest and to go to sleep at a certain time. And if you've been using an alarm clock at the same time, how many people can wake up now without your alarm clock? Your body's just like, it's time to wake up. It's just this routine. Your body knows it doesn't matter. Like me, I went to bed. I worked a good 15-hour day Friday, and then Saturday morning, coming into prayer, I was like, wide awake. Why? Because it's, it's the routine. But let me tell you something, this body was trained to do that. This body, when I originally got it as a teenager, this body did not like to wake up early. All right, this, this body had to be trained, and now that it's trained, there's a routine, and, and it's good because even when I don't want to wake up, I can get up and I can start my day. And this idea of this constant prayer... I think the only way you get into a constant prayer, of course it's your heart and it's the way you approach the Lord in your heart and the faith you have in him and the trust you have in him, but it's also setting up some routines in your life. Psalm 55, the psalmist talks about, and I will lift my voice to you evening, noon, and, and morning, three times a day. And so my challenge for you, because it's been the only thing that's helped me develop a Christian walk that's constant, is to set up routines. And you stick to those routines because you know those routines are good for you. In other words, you make a plan that you're going to follow because you know it's the right plan. Like, it is good for me to pray. How am I going to do that? 
And then when you go on your routine, when you go into it, you know it's what you got to do. And I can't tell you, and this is a secret, and if you're a person of prayer, I can't tell you how many times I've come into prayer and my heart and my mind and everything was maybe not 100% there, but because it's the routine, because it's what I do, by the time I leave prayer, I'm closer to the Lord. See, and you need those routines in your life. Prayer is one of them. Coming to church, that's another one. Like, I really think God designed you as a person to be involved in a church. Not attend. Not visit. And I don't care if it's here. But you were created to have that routine in your life. This thing where there's a group of other people that they talk about the Lord and you talk about the Lord and you pray for each other and you encourage people. And I'm telling you, just doing that, even on the days that are hard, even on the days you don't want to, it puts you in a place where all of a sudden things start working out better. And it's not just like grinding your teeth and getting it done, but it's setting up your routines because you know what's good for your soul. And I know prayer is good for the soul. I know praying on my own, like, it's just important. And I, it, it, it does something. So this idea, this constant prayer, our church, if this is your church, our church, until we all learn about constant prayer, it won't be all that it could be. Why? Because if every single one of us found out the routine, morning, noon, and night, I want to challenge you. Maybe you've never thought about that. Psalmist said morning, noon, and night. Find a time in the morning. I'm not talking about a length of time. I'm talking about a time and a space where you can pray. And then you want to take something up a notch if you've done that? Find a space in your day. Maybe it's your lunchtime. I'm not saying take the whole lunchtime, but, but what if you just decided, you know what, every time I take a break, I'm going to center myself with the Lord. I'm just going to, I'm going to talk and I'm going to pray about what's on my heart. Maybe I'm praying for my family because there's something going on. Maybe I'm praying for the church. Maybe I'm just praying that God would give me strength to make it through my day. And then at nighttime, these other routines that, that are good, that put us in a position to, to be the people that, that we know God has called us to be. But I don't want to just talk about the practice being routine. I want to go to the book of James chapter 5. So if you can flip in your Bible a few verses to verse chapter 5, verse 13, James 5, 13. It says, is anyone suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Keep going, please. Is anyone sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Next verse, please. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Next verse, please. Verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. All right. So I talked about prayer as a routine. 
But this set of passages gives us a different picture. It actually says, if you're sick, call for the elders of the church and let them pray. So we could do that, and we do do that here in this church. There have been people that have called. We don't make a big deal about it all the time, but when people ask for prayer, we we will go do that. But, But what Paul is, or what James, not Paul, what James is saying is he's making the case that not only is prayer like a routine thing, it should be a constant thing. We should always have prayers just flowing out of our mouth, and if we're not there yet, maybe we give ourselves a reminder morning, noon, and night, morning, noon, and night. But it's also talking about this prayer In principle, prayer should be a very powerful thing. And so here's where we we have a little bit of a struggle. See, we have a call to make prayer regular and routine, but then you have another call that prayer should be this powerful thing. That if somebody is actually sick or if somebody is suffering, that God is going to listen to Kevin or Caleb and that God will answer those prayers. See, that is, a, that is the second principle. And so you got to ask yourself, do I approach prayer that way? Because there's sometimes we don't. There's sometimes we go to prayer and we are not really praying like we expect things to change. Now, I'm going to tell you, Not every time we pray does it work. I prayed very hard for my cousin to be healed from leukemia, as did his wife, as did the people in this church, as did people in his church, and he is dead. But that does not take away from the fact that we do what we're called to do. And when somebody's sick, we pray. Because here's the thing sometimes it works. If I can say sometimes it doesn't work because I know that to be true, equally I can say sometimes it does work because I know that to be true. I can think of people that I knew that have been healed of some pretty serious things or or situations in their life have been dramatically changed or they've been set free from drug addiction or they're not depressed or they're just not a butthole anymore because God has changed them. Like these wonderful miracles that God can do, we have to give God a chance to do them. And And it comes to just saying, can I pray for you right now? See, here's the secret. You don't have to have all the answers. But we better be quick to be people of prayer. And prayer is supposed to be powerful. Now, I want to look at this. Um, Verse 17 um, is who this is referring to. It's talking about Elijah. So James is going back into the Old Testament to make this, this point that prayer is powerful. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. God's not looking for special people. If you say, you know what, I'm not special, then you're in the right place. God's not looking for special people. But look what he did. He says, he prayed fervently that it might not rain. Fervent prayer. Now, this is where it gets like, how do we do this? Fervent prayer means you're praying from the depths of your heart. I talked to somebody, um, I don't want to put him on the spot, 
but there was a baby in his life that he was very concerned about. And he told me that as that baby was going through some medical issues, he told me that he, he spent hours on his face in prayer. And he said as he sat there and he prayed, there would be times when he would have just great faith in God and be thanking God and, God, I know you're going to touch this baby. And then there would be other times soon after within minutes of doubt and despair and like, I just, are you really going to do it, God? But then as he stayed in that pocket and didn't allow that doubt and despair to stop him from praying, he kept praying. Then more waves of confidence and in, in the fact that he got through and that God heard him and he is the heavenly father who hears our prayers. Praying fervently. That's the step maybe some people haven't taken. And I'm not pointing fingers. All I'm doing today is I want to show you your next steps. We're all at different places. Maybe you don't have a regular prayer time. Start there. Start a time. Wake up a little bit early and start. Set something in the middle of the day if you've got that done. And say, I'm going to take 10, 15 minutes with the Lord. Trust me, I do it. It's good for the soul. And then find a time in the evening. Maybe that's where you start. Maybe you got that going, and maybe God's challenging you about just the fervency. See, there's something that happens when you get a group of people together that can pray. So this is talking about Elijah. One of the greatest stories we have about Elijah praying for people is in 1 Kings chapter 17, and we won't go there, but I'll paraphrase. A young boy was sick. Elijah went to heal the young boy. He goes up into the room where the boy is. He prays for the boy. He prays for the boy, and then the boy is healed. And, and, the, and the author is saying that happened in the Old Testament. That's what prayer should look like. That's our model. Is he kept going back. He kept praying for this young boy, and God answered, and God moved. Now, if we go to the book of Mark, chapter 5, I want to show you a little bit more. Mark chapter 5, verse 40. Now this is talking about Jesus. And what's happening here is this is not an Old Testament miracle. This is a Jesus miracle. It says they laughed at him. Why are they laughing? There's a child that was sick and Jesus was going to take care of the situation. The people were laughing at Jesus. Side note, if you're going to pray in a situation that's difficult, some people might think you're crazy. When somebody has leukemia and you're like, you're going to pray about that? Yes, I am. Or, oh, I'm going to pray for whatever? Yes, I am. I'm going to pray. Doesn't mean God always answers, but I will do my part and say the prayer. Now, this part here, they're laughing at Jesus. So what does Jesus do? Jesus, in the middle of a group laughing at him, the whole group is laughing, he goes, no, he doesn't. It's not in the middle of the group. He puts them all outside. That's very interesting. Jesus himself, do you think he needed to put them outside? But he did. He puts them outside. He takes the child's mom, mother, and father, and those who were with him, and he went into where the child was, and he began to pray. I want to tell you something. Moments of prayer where you're really praying for something 
the atmosphere matters. Can I just say that? I, I don't really know how to define that other than to say Jesus said, I don't want to deal with the laughing right now. I don't want to deal with the mocking. We've got some real work to do. And I'm telling you, who you pray with matters. In the room where you pray, like, it matters in the sense of you just got to get a group of people together that's crazy enough to do it. That's going to sit there with you and not worry about what they sound like praying, but it's going to pray from their heart. And that's not going to, you know, does somebody that's humble that doesn't have all the answers. You want somebody with you that's going to fall on their knees too and be like, you're right, God, we can't. You don't want somebody with the answers. You want someone that knows the answers. And, and, and you want to have that time where when you're praying and you're seeking God, that that group understands what you're doing. And that's what Jesus did. He pushes them out. Verse 41, he takes into the people that he wanted to. And then in um, verse 41, he takes a little girl by the hand. So Elijah healed a boy. Jesus is healing a little girl. He takes her by the hand and says, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking as she was 12 years of age. So you hear a story. You ever wonder what did the early church do with stories like this? Like we have this story of Jesus healing a little girl. Want to see how they dealt with it in the book of Acts? In the book of Acts chapter 9, I think this story is definitely in mind. Because in the book of Acts chapter 9, verse 39, Jesus is gone. The book of Acts chapter 9, Jason, verse 39. Jesus is gone. He is not around. And in verse um, 36, there was a, um, a sick disciple named Tabitha. We skip down to verse 39. They're sick. Peter arises. He goes into the room. And he took the people with him. And it says, all the widows. If you look at 39 in your Bible, it says, all the widows stood outside or stood beside weeping and showing them all the tunics. Verse 40, but Peter put them all outside, and he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body, and he said, Tabitha kumi. You might miss that in some of the translations, but this story of Peter going to the older woman who is sick, her name was just a phrase off, Tabitha, Talitha, in the language, it was very similar. Peter did what he saw Jesus do. When Peter didn't know how to heal someone, in my mind, it's very clear. He just went back to, what did Jesus do? He saw the people crying and weeping. He remembered the people laughing when Jesus was there. He's like, y'all got to go. He took the people that were with him, and he said, all right, we've closed the door. And I could just picture Peter going through his memory and saying, when Jesus was there, he put them out. I'm going to put them out. When Jesus was there, he called me, someone who would pray with them. And Peter took the people who came with him. He said, pray with me. And then he copies almost exactly, except for the phrase with the B and the L, the language, and he heals this young lady. I want to tell you the the more you can make your life look like Jesus, 
the better it is. The more you can make your life look like Jesus' life, the better it is. When you don't know what to do, think back to the Bible. Sometimes it'll get you in trouble. You know, you might do something too much. You know, you might go a little, a step far, so be careful. But when you don't know what to do, if all you remember is, I need the right people in this room praying. And I need all outside factors shut off. No telephone, no anything. If you're praying and your cell phone's going off, there's a power button on this thing. Did you know that? But it's, it's, it's just the idea that we maybe don't think that prayer is as powerful as it is, so we don't approach it as if God is really going to hear us and heal or answer or move. And maybe we've stepped out in the past and we've prayed a prayer. I remember going and praying for my wife's uncle 20 years ago. He fell out of a tree, broke his neck. He was in ICU. I remember going with my wife to pray for him. I was a pastor in the church. I remember, like, not having any faith to pray for him. I remember going into the room. I remember praying for him. And I remember thinking, man, God was really there and feeling, like, excited and this is good. And I remember leaving the room and, like, the next day he died. But that's not going to stop me from praying for people. And it's not going to stop me from approaching every prayer time as if God could actually answer. It's not going to stop me from knowing that he is my heavenly father and I can pray for anything. And so we've talked about praying in instances of healing, but let's put it into something else. Like, all right, Caleb is going to be running a small group on Sundays after church in the New Testament. Caleb, I hope as much as you study, I hope you're praying for those people. I hope you constantly remember and you, you plead with God. Our brother back here is going to be starting a church. As much as you plan and you preach and you do all this stuff, the prayer that goes into that, that sets the foundation, is important. Our brother's here is going to Japan, and, and even before you get there, prayer is important. But when you get there, you're going to have to find that space and those people that you can bring every issue up. Uh-oh, visa's a problem. Uh-oh, this is a problem. Uh-oh, that is a problem. And, and you have to be able to bring all of your requests and all of your things to God. And, you, and it's great when you can do it alongside people. So here's a few practical things about prayer. Don't worry about what you sound like because people are probably just excited to hear you pray. If you make a mistake, if you say something stupid in prayer, just own it. I remember praying for someone with kidney stones, and I prayed a very passionate, heartfelt prayer, and it ended with, and Lord, I pray she would just pass these in her sleep. And at the end of the prayer, she's like, I really don't want to wet the bed, Chris. And I was like, I'm sorry, you know, I... But, you know, you know, we pray like that, that God would heal people in their sleep, and that was like a common thing, so it came out. And so I'm saying, like, don't, it's not about you. You might say something dumb. You might not say the right thing. You, but I'm telling you, when you humble yourself and you give God a chance to break through, like he does, and he heals. Just like I told you examples of when God didn't heal. I remember her 20 years ago sitting with, like, more tubes than you can remember 
being in a coma for six months or a long amount of time or out of it, six weeks, and it was like huge. Everybody thought she was going to die, and she's alive. Three times that's happened, you know? I don't know why. God answers some, he doesn't answer others. I don't know, but I know that if you don't ask, you're guaranteed to get no every time. So if you want to know, keep your mouth closed. But we keep coming. And so why am I saying this? Why? Because I believe there's Robin and the worship team, Jesse with the kids' ministry, Mike um, running the sound. Prayer is important to all this stuff. But what about just being a person in the church? When was the last time? You know how I started? Every time I used to go to church when I wasn't a pastor, when I was just a teenager, I would wake up and say, God, could you use me today? Could you use me to be a blessing to somebody at church? Could I be, you know, could you, God? What about those prayers? What if you prayed a prayer like that morning, noon, and night? You woke up in the morning and you said, God, here I am. God, you know my agenda, all that I have to do. But God, ultimately, I'm yours. Could you use me for your glory today, God? Could you put me in somebody's life that needs truth or needs comfort or needs prayer? Could you, could you do that with me? If you've prayed that three times a day, and eventually you don't think God is going to say, hey, I can answer that. Prayer is... It's a time, prayer is a time where you pour out your heart. Prayer should be a time when you sit and you start to confess your sins to your Father, knowing that there's forgiveness. Prayer should be constant, should be routine, but it should be a powerful thing. In other words, if you're not feeling forgiven, if you're battling with guilt, you could call a brother up or a sister up and say, would you pray with me? And I'm telling you, in those moments, God releases things. But prayer was never meant to be like orchestrated, that I have to, the church tells you everything to pray for. Prayer was meant to be everyone praying for everything, constantly in prayer in supplication. Would you stand with me, please? We're, we're done. We're going we're gonna to be eating. There was a song, um, Making Room, I Will Make Room for You. P- part of that, when I, when I sing those words and when I hear that song, to me, I think about the routines. I think about the spots in my life where I let God have full control. I think about, am am I, is my life submitted? Is it, have I laid everything down? And as we pray this prayer, I think it's a good way to end. If we could just sing that song. And if anybody would like prayer today, I'm up here. We're happy to pray with anybody. But would you sing this song and just allow it to be a a surrender? Here is where I lay it down. Every burden, every crown. This is my surrender. This is my surrender.
God, our prayers are important. If anybody in this room, if you just feel an encouragement, a reminder, or a challenge to pray more or to pray differently, would you just put your hand up and just be counted? And if you put your hand up, just say, Lord, show me how to pray. Help me to pray effectively. Help me to pray for the right things. Ask God for spiritual insight. Show us how to pray. Show us how to confess things that we need to confess. Show us how to ask for things. Show us how to find comfort and hope in you and rest in your promises. Thank you, God, for allowing us to be here. We pray, God, that we would be the people you've called us to be that we would love people like you want us to love them, and that we would bring glory to the name of Jesus, that we would point people to the cross and to the salvation available only in the cross of Jesus Christ through his death and his resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Will you guys... I pray you'd go and you'd have a wonderful week. Lots of prayer for each other, for me, for, for everyone. We are going to eat a little bit together. And, and I was told I need to say this more often, so I will. In this church, there are all kinds of different people um, dealing with COVID. Some of you guys would go lick the door handle right now if you wanted to because you're not afraid at all. And some people are, are very cautious for good reason. Can I just say be nice? Be nice to each other. Let people be comfortable no matter what they come in here like. And love people. Amen. Go love some people.